1: I'm a certified financial planner, and there's three other individuals in my office that are also certified. In addition to that, we have an estate planning attorney, um, Jeremiah Lee, as well. He's certified, but he also helps our clients with legal matters, primarily estate planning and other business affairs. If you'd like to know more about our firm or just to meet with one of us, give me a call. Phone number is 951 684 7011, or just simply go to our website, which is www.retirementunlimited.com. Now, every week, what I do is I divide my program into three parts. The first part is what I refer to as retirement update. The second one is tactical asset management. And the third one is news you can use. Now, in the first part, The first segment of the radio program today, I want to talk about something that my wife and I do every single year, and that is that we have a financial summit. And if you're listening to me, whether or not you're the husband or the wife or whoever you are, if you are related or responsible to somebody else, you should have a financial summit, even if you do it for yourself. If you're single, you should sit down and go through and develop Make sure that you have a clear understanding. So what, what's included in a, in a financial summit? Well, first of all, you track all of your cash flow. So wherever your income comes from, if your income comes from salary, then you track it. That's pretty simple to do. But if you have other interests, uh, if you're getting monies from retirement monies or from real estate or other stocks, bonds, whatever, whatever money, you want to track all that income and say, this money is what I have to work with. Then the second thing you wanna do is review your budget. Your budget should be divided into two parts. The first part is what I refer to as the necessity. In other words, what is it that you have to have money for to pay to keep a roof over your head and food on the table? There are things that you divide. The second one is what I refer to as discretionary. What are the things that you want to do with your money? You know, gifting, traveling, other things that you want to do, investing. But that is your discretionary money. Then we bring that down and we review the insurances. We pull out all of our insurance policies, not just our life insurance policies, but also our homeowner's insurance. I go through our auto insurance. I make sure that our limits of liability are deductibles. If I have questions on anything, we call up our insurance agent and we get pricing. This is really important. And it's important that you understand where your life insurance policies are. If you're listening to me and you're, if your spouse has the insurance on them, make sure you understand who the beneficiaries are. Make sure that that's verified. Is that in the file? Does the company know it? Did you get some documentation? You know, second marriages occur, and I have found that sometimes clients don't change the beneficiaries or they've named the beneficiaries to the estate instead of to the individual. It has ramifications that can be economically devastating down the road if it's not done properly. In addition to that, you want to go through and make sure that your liability limits are in place. If you're worth more than a million dollars, you probably should get an umbrella policy. If your house is paid for or it's almost paid for, you might want to consider getting earthquake coverage. In addition to that, you want to take a look at your health care delivery. The question is, what are you going to do if you have a long-term care event? In other words, if you have to have health care delivered to you, in some way, either at your home or assisted living or such. Are you prepared for it financially? Have you walked through all the issues? The estate planning is really easy. Have you done, I mean, it's really important because you have to make sure, is your estate plan in place? You know, you got wills and trusts, but also your durable power of attorneys. When was the last time you updated that? You know, people that you've got listed on that durable power of attorney, do your primary care physicians have that? You're going through it and then the tax review. Are you really aware of the taxes that you're paying? Like, for example, if you're receiving required minimum distributions, and if you're charitable in your, in your life, you can set up that you can do donor, you can set up these donors at the beginning of the year, and it helps to offset. It may help reduce the cost that you pay for Medicare premiums. All these factors come into place, but unless you take the time and set aside the time, and again, these are not... Um, How do I say, this This is not something that you wake up in the morning and get excited about, but it is something that's critically important. You know, we're going through uh, an economic upheaval. It seems like we just went through one, but really it's been over 10 years ago, and now we're going through this pandemic. So if your job has, if you've got a reduction in salary, you need to take a look at where you can cut expenses, where you can take uh, advantage of the position that you have But look at your expenses, like, you know, just simple things like cutting your subscriptions. You know, a lot of times people have a lot of subscriptions that they don't even use. They don't read it and, you know, get rid of them. There's a way to talk about it. I mean, again, you need to take a look at how your uh, retirement is set up. Don't rush into retirement. I have long conversations with clients about, you know, when do they take their Social Security? Do they take it as soon as it's available to them? Or do they wait? Do they allow it to grow? The relationship between yourself and your spouse and the Social Security benefits is very important. I mentioned before in previous programs, there's 1,700 different options on Social Security. Do you realize that at your full retirement age is different as far as the benefits to you versus if you take it before then? What about in relationship to your spouse who has a higher income or a lower income? Is it an advantage for you to wait because you can wait until age 70. In some cases, it's not to your advantage. It really depends upon what the circumstances are. So again, are you prepared and have you prepared for emergencies? This is really critical in developing an emergency fund that is accessible in the event of something happening, losing your job or an economic downturn. And do you use it? In other words, don't borrow against your 401k or against other retirement assets. But in fact, use your emergency fund for what it is. You should have anywhere from three to six months. Most conservative is anywhere from one to two years of necessity needs set aside in the bank. Now we're someplace it's easily accessible and that you can get to without having to worry about it. Anyway, these are things what I, what I put into what I call our financial summit. And we look at the numbers, we go through it, and we talk it through in the event that something happens. One of us dies or become disabled. Where are the documents held? Do you have anything in a safety deposit box? Do you have it in a file? Do you have it? Do you have the latest statements on everything so that you can build a balance sheet and a cash flow? Do you know where everything's at? Simple things, like for example, passwords. You know, you open up a an account. Do you have your spouse's passwords to her accounts? In other words, do you have all that written down someplace? Do you have it someplace where you can get to it? These are important things. And if you don't think about it until the event, and then everybody rushes around and says, who, who has this and who has that? You don't wanna be going through that at that time. Oftentimes that's when you're in the worst possible mental state. You wanna make sure that all this stuff is taken care of ahead of time. This is what we help our clients do. This is very important. You know, if you'd like some help, you wanna sit down and talk with me about it, give me a call. Phone number is 951-684-7011. Let's build a plan together. Stay tuned for my next section. I'm going to talk about tactical asset management. I've had a lot of conversation with clients and prospective clients over the whole aspect of diversification investing. So the idea of spreading your money across different kinds of investments to reduce your portfolio risk without reducing expected returns. Now, there are some people who believe that this is not a good thing to do. In other words, they believe that they're smarter than the market and they believe that they can go in and select individual stocks or funds that are going to beat the marketplace. I had, a, I had a long conversation with a client. I manage a good portion of his portfolio, but there's a portion of his portfolio that he controls. And clearly his return for, from the last 12 months has been better on his portfolio. But I, I, he and I together, I looked at all the holdings he had, and he had four funds that were concentrated into the tech sector. Now, three of those four funds lost significant monies. There was one fund that did extremely well, and that overcame the, um, the, the negative returns on the others. But he responded to me, he says, I don't know why I chose these four funds and why I put the amount of money into each one of them. And I said, can you give me some economic reason why you chose them? He said, no, he said, just the fact that they were in more technology stocks that he preferred at that point. And I and I said, so I said, some of this has to be based upon luck. And he said, Oh yeah, absolutely. So he wasn't really overconfident, but at the same point in time, you know, we had a long discussion about his lack of diversification and how it can come back and bite him. And he said, I'm willing to hold on to these stocks or these positions for a long time. I believe in that that particular sector and that they're going to do well. But this lack of diversification, and I always go back to and say, what is your rate of return? Because everybody is subject to what their rate of return is over the long haul. In, in our business is what we refer to as alpha. In other words, are you producing alpha? In other words, are you producing uh, returns that outperform the, you know, the sector that you're in or the, the benchmark that you're holding yourself up against like the S&P 500 or the uh, Dow? I mean, are you beating that benchmark or do you have some other benchmark that you're using? Because there are other benchmarks. In fact, there's multiple benchmarks that you can choose to say this is something that I want to look at as a measure, a guideline. And am I ahead or behind of that particular holding? So and the question is: Do most people, if they do their own investing, do they create alpha? Do they outperform the benchmarks that they are really looking at? And the vast majority of the people, unfortunately, don't. In fact, their their rate of return is If we take a good, hard look at it, most of the uh, most of the individual investors are anywhere from three and a half to five and a half percent below their benchmark. And the reason for that is not that they're dumb. The reason for that primarily is because they don't have the same level of education. And more importantly, they don't have the same level of time commitment. In other words, when you're investing money, it's a very competitive. uh, It's a very competitive business. In other words, when you sell something or buy something, you are you are basically competing with somebody that you don't know on the other side of that trade that says, I want to, I want to make money or I want to preserve my profit. However, that happens, it is not, you're not betting against something that's neutral. You're not competing against something that is neutral. You are competing against something that is very, very competitive. So therefore, diversification although it may seem boring, it still is one of the best ways for you to accomplish your overall rate of return. Now, you can take a small percentage of your overall capital, maybe like 5%, possibly even 10%, and invest it into individual stocks or in trades or sectors that you feel are gonna do better. But in the long run, in the long run, you wanna make sure that you're invested in an appropriate sectors And again, I've talked about this before, you you want to use macroeconomics. In other words, you see where the trends are at and you want to invest in those trends or avoid the other part of the marketplace that is overbought or oversold. So you can make adjustments, but I don't know of any other factor, any other factor that gives out, um, in other words, that the rate of return outpaces, you know, the benchmarks. If you, if you believe in just stocks, in other words, stocks will give you a better return than bonds over the long haul, but you have to be willing to live with the volatility. And so the emotional aspects, you know, the emotional aspects of, of uh, investing is that oftentimes people want to reduce their regret. You know, regret is a painful emotion because you can't recapture what you lost. And if people put too much, I've I've talked to more people than than I can possibly remember over the years that have made investments on what they thought was going to be the absolute winner for them. Only to find out later on that particular position lost money at a significant clip. And when it does, they've lost. I just, you know, there's a man that I've known, he, he invested almost his entire retirement in this one particular stock. And at the time of his death, his widow, She she admitted to me, she said he had everything there and it lost virtually everything because he put all of his eggs in one basket. He put it all on one thing. And the tragedy is he never built a base that could cover for the contingency issues. And so when you invest money, you want to make sure that you are selecting a, you know, the right process, the right diversification in order to accomplish your goals. And there's different ways to do this. I mean, obviously when you are in a 401k plan and you're putting money in on a monthly basis or every payroll, you're putting a certain dollar amount in, you can use dollar cost averaging. But as you get closer to retirement, it's what I refer to as the red zone, you're getting closer to decumulation, not accumulation. And time can work against you. So you have to be very careful about the kind of assets that you have that will continue to provide pension-like returns. And that's what you want, is you want something that's certain and is capable. So in your development of your, pro- of, your, of your portfolio, oftentimes people do not use professional advice. They think they can do it on their own. And this is what happens is you reach a critical juncture and something goes wrong. Something happens and you end up losing a lot of money. And you're at a stage in your life that you can't make it back. You've lost it, so therefore it disappears and you've lost time so what are what are your what are your options you reduce your standard of living you work longer you save more there's a lot of factors that come into this but what I find is that people that are doing this they have kind of a uh, I guess a gambling mentality maybe they think that they can put down the you know put it all on one particular thing and win it it doesn't work like that folks it doesn't happen. You want to create pension like returns and you want to do it in such a way that is consistent and steady. Boring is not bad at this part of your life. What you want things, you want things to be able to be uh, consistent that provides you the income and support that you need as you step into retirement. So the, the, th- the advice that I give to clients is build a portfolio that's going to last for the rest of your life. And you don't know how long you're going to live. So you wanna make sure that portfolio goes out to age 100 because you don't know if you're gonna live beyond age 100 or into your 90s because many of you listening to me, you are, that's what's gonna happen. So therefore, let's build a portfolio that is long lasting, that's going to last beyond your life expectancy. Give me a call in my office, 951-684-7011. Let's build a plan together. Stay tuned for my next section. I'm gonna talk about news you can use.
0: It's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer.
1: Welcome back. This is the section of the program that I refer to as news you can use. If you're like I am, you must be getting tired of getting robocalls. You know, my phone now, I don't even answer it. If I can't recognize the phone number or if I don't have the person listed, I don't answer the phone call. It goes to voicemail. And oftentimes these robocalls, um, you know, it it's it's somebody either trying to sell me a car warranty, but these social security calls, you know, where they're saying that, you know, your social security number has been violated, or if you don't call this number, you're, you're in violation of such and such, somebody's gonna come. You know, you're in great danger and whatever. But these robocalls, there's an article in the journal I want to send to you. It's called Where Robocalls Hide the the, the House Next Door. And this article talks about these mom and pop carriers. They're, they're primarily the reason why these robocalls occur because in order for people to to entities to call in from international, they have to have a place to land. They have to have a place to do it. And a lot of times these are set up in these organizations. And, and again, um, you, know, you know, they are um, U.S. carriers, but these U.S. carriers are small companies and they could literally be in the house next door to you. You don't even know. And what they do is they they create a relationship with a large carrier like AT&T, Verizon, such as that. And what it does, they come in and, they, and they, they, their revenue is they get paid a fractional percentage for the time or the per call basis. But this article talks about this this man in uh, in Phoenix or in, in uh, Arizona someplace, and he had set up two of these things inside of his home. He was making over over two hundred thousand dollars a month, and and a lot of he said, "Well, I don't know anything about it." Well, what's happened now is you have the Social Security Administration and the federal, you know, the communication uh, the people that oversee all the communications. They're starting to go after these. I, not as aggressive as I'd like them to but clearly they're going after it. And this article talks about how they hunted this down after somebody complained and they were able to really get uh, tracking. They can track where the phone call goes. And so that they can go to, they can't go to the overseas scammers, the people that are really the hackers, the the scammers that are trying to to take your money from you, the thieves, but they can go to these US carriers and then go to these phone companies that are these small mom and pop organizations that are making a lot of money based upon the abuse that you and I are getting uh, from these overseas scammers. Uh, This article talks about how they can track the fraud and they have these these trace back systems now. Uh, It's called a trade group through US Telecom. And this article gives you some, some indication of how prevalent this is and how lucrative it is for people that use it. I think that the more that we're aware of it the more that we can put pressure on the, our legislators and the people that would oversee it. In this particular case, I mean, they talked about people that were scammed out of out of money, um, either that or somebody gave their identity. At the end of the day, it's all thievery. It's all something that somebody wants to take advantage of you and I and our phones ring. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I still have a landline because if somebody wants my phone number, I give my landline. I don't give him my cell phone number. My wife and I, we have, we have different email addresses and we have what I call a junk email address that I give to people if they want it, if they need it. But I'm not about to give what I consider my private email addresses. I try to protect my privacy as much as possible. But for a lot of people, this is just terribly inconvenient. So if you'd like to have a copy of this article, it's called Where Robocalls Hide, the, the, uh, the house next door. I'd be more than happy to send it out to you just give me a call at my office. It's uh, 951-684-7011. Or just simply go to my website, which is www.retirementunlimited.com. For more information, just go on the website and ask, or you send an email to me uh, through the website, and we'd be more than happy to respond to you. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening.